Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, we're off to another good week here. You know, markets have been on a tear for the past nine weeks. Yeah, nine weeks up in a row. Since yeah. the low was uh, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. And yep. then it's pretty much taken off since that point. It has. So it just goes to show you how you can't predict the future. You know, I mean, the sentiment changes very quickly and rapidly and and things change. Yeah, there was no one out there saying, hey, the market's going to go up. It's up, what, you know, 15 or 20 percent since Christmas Eve. And that's the way markets work. Exactly. Yeah, it's remarkable. So, but we have a great show today. We're going to talk about the five signs you're not ready for retirement. So, if these five things fit you, then you may want to rethink retirement. So, we're not trying to be a downer here, <laughs> but you just need to be real and you need to make sure you're you're not falling in these five categories. Yeah, and then we're also going to talk about um, combining your accounts uh, as a couple and. You know, we see folks that are just getting married, and there's there are different strategies, and also blended families coming from from different marriages, and um, certainly a sensitive topic. But we we do address it with folks coming in because it is important. It's uh, an interesting um, discussion on what's the best way to do this. Yeah, absolutely, that'll be good. And by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vestor Pro with over 24 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vestor Pro. I have an MBA in finance. Also have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast on the right-hand side of the screen. Also have a lot of uh, videos and um, informational uh, material calculators that you can use out there. Check that out. Uh, we have a Facebook page, MoneyMD, and also a Twitter handle, MoneyMD. Yeah, lots of ways to contact us as well. We'd love to hear from you. So you can email us directly at info at MoneyMD.net, or you can link to us right off our website. We're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yes, yeah, comes from the Census Bureau and looking overseas into the Chinese market. By about 2050, which is a, a pro, approximately you know 30 plus years from today, um, there will be about 330 million Chinese individuals over the age of 65, and and by comparison, there's about 328 million Americans alive today. So the the amount and the size of the Chinese market and India, for that matter, are massive. And so you start looking at where's you know opportunities for growth long term. It's a lot of it's overseas. Yeah, it is. That that this this stat prompted me to look up some of the demographics of China and it is amazing. I mean, they have 1.4 billion people there. They currently have over 150 about 150 million that are age 65 or older. So, you know, they have half our population essentially that's over 65 already and then there's another 700 million that are between 25 and 55 that's going to, you know, make up that boom you're mm -hmm. talking about down the road. So, yeah, there's opportunities over there, you know, whenever those folks um, kind of come out of recession. And, you know, particularly if we get this this deal done, the trade deal, the trade right. deal done. So uh, anyway, very interesting fact of the week, no doubt. And that brings us up to our first topic here, the five signs you're not ready for retirement. Um, this is based on an article uh, by Matt Wiley from smartasset.com. 
And John, you know, I mean, we sit down with a lot of people uh, every week who are looking at retirement and are, you know, in the very near future. Most of them are in good shape for the golden years. Um, but we do sit down with people from time to time who are clearly not ready for retirement. And unfortunately, I had one such meeting very recently where a couple was looking to retire in the next couple of years. Um, but they clearly didn't have uh, a plan. They, they didn't know how much they spent or where all their income would come from in retirement. And, you know, and once we looked over the numbers, it was obvious that they were looking at a significant reduction in their standard of living um, if they retired in just two years. I mean, something like half their income that they have now um, or even in five years. I mean, there was no plan or strategy in place to how to get there. So unfortunately, it was a rude awakening for them to hear that they will not have the lifestyle anywhere close to that really in retirement to where they are today without some drastic changes and working much longer than they anticipated. Yeah, you know, as advisors, we certainly find ourselves in that uncomfortable situation, you know, a lot of times having to tell folks that um, something drastic has to change. Uh, Retirement may seem years away, but neglecting the proper, you know, planning you know, steps now could really cost your dream retirement that you've been looking for. Um, you know, wait, waiting until you're in your 60s, and it's usually really too late to drastically alter the course, uh, as was the case for this couple as well. And, you know, you have to start planning early and leave yourself enough time to make some adjustments um, based on your circumstances to make sure that you stay on track. So you need to look at the signs and you need to kind of have a picture of, you know, what are some of the things, you know, check boxes that you need to be checking to make sure that you are ready for retirement. and But we have six indications here that you may not have taken retirement seriously enough yet to really be ready for retirement. Um, so here are five things. Uh, one of them is, John, if you haven't checked your 401k balance in the last six months, <laughs> you're probably not ready for retirement. Yeah, that's that's a long time. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a long time to kind of gl- neglect quarterly. Your- 401k, you know, your 401k plan. Um, you know, not that you, you should be glaring at your 401k account every day, but, you know, if you never look at it, then the chances are you're not as diligent at saving as you probably should be. You know, most people who are close to retirement and are in good shape, they do check their 401k, you know, balance probably once a month. And you should be checking your 401k regularly if you're counting on it to carry it into retirement um, because you want to be aware of, you know, how your money's invested, what your, you know, tolerance for risk is. You need to make any adjustments that are necessary to make sure you stay on track. And, you know, a financial advisor like us, I mean, they can help you with this pro- this process of checking to make sure you're on track. But at a minimum, you should take any of those risk questionnaires that are available on the website um, to make sure you're invested in an allocation that's suitable for your risk and objectives. So don't neglect your 401k. That's the the message here. Yeah, the second one here is is you haven't estimated how much you need to retire. And you know, if you're serious about retirement, then you have to do some basic planning, um, really including figuring out how much it takes to live in retirement. Uh, in addition, you need to know where that income is going to come from, whether it's Social Security or you know retirement savings or you know pensions and so forth. You need to know how much it needs to grow and how much you need to add, you know, to reach those numbers. You'll also need to figure out how much return you're going to need on your investments. Uh, going forward in retirement and, um, you know, how to invest for that return. So you're looking out in some cases, you know, 30, 40, 
50 years um, trying to make some of these assumptions. So it's, you know, it's, it's not easy. There are a lot of different factors, but it's critical. Yeah, absolutely. And surveys have repeatedly shown that, you know, a very significant number of Americans in their 30s, 40s, and even 50s have no retirement savings whatsoever. Um, so if you plan to travel, you plan to have a comfortable lifestyle in retirement, you need to have a plan to ensure that you get on track and you remain on track. And that's the message here. All right. The next one here, though, is that you assume that you're going to be taking Social Security benefits at age 62. Um, now, while drawing Social Security at age 62 might be the right plan, uh, don't assume that that's the plan without considering all your options well before retirement. I mean, in fact, if you haven't given some serious thought uh, to when you draw Social Security, then you really probably aren't ready to retire. I mean, the Social Security Administration clearly indicates that the earliest age you can start receiving Social Security is age 62, um, but you'll lose about 30% of your yearly benefits compared to full retirement age um, forever if you start drawing at age 62. And that may be the right answer, but you got to check all your options. I mean, your benefits at age 62, 66, or 67 those are not your maximum benefits either. Um, benefits increase by about 8% every year you delay. So your maximum benefit will kick in at age 70. That's going to be something like 100, and that's going to be something like 32% more than you would get at full retirement age, which is another 30% more than mm -hmm. you'd get at age 62. Yeah, big number. So it's a huge difference. So you need to take a look at these options before retiring to ensure you're making the smartest decision. And, you know, potentially maximizing your benefits between you and your spouse for the remainder of your life. That's a key element to retirement. Yeah. Another one, another item here on the list, this is big, <clears throat> and we see this frequently, is not having a plan for medical coverage. You know, obviously at 65, most people qualify for Medicare coverage for their primary medical benefits beyond that age. But if you're retiring prior to 65, you, you got to have a plan for medical coverage um, unfortunately, it's becoming more and more common that employers don't offer any medical coverage after retirement. And for many retirees, that leaves a significant gap between early retirement and age 65. So if you're planning to retire early and haven't given that much thought um, as to where the medical coverage will come from, then you're clearly clearly not ready. I mean, you can't make a decision on retirement until you have that one figured out. That's for sure. And, you know, even if you're age 65, in addition to having a plan for the medical costs prior to that, um, you need to understand how the deductibles and the coinsurance for Medicare are going to be covered and how those will be covered, you know, well into retirement. I mean, for example, Part B coinsurance for doctor's expenses for Medicare is 20%, and there's no annual limit for that. So, you know, considering today's cost for, for major medical expenses, that can add up to tens of thousands of dollars for a major condition. So you're going to want to explore, you know, Medicare supplements prior to enrolling in Medicare. Um, you'll also want to understand what your options are for, like, Medicare Advantage and Part D prescription drug coverage. Um, you know, these are all very, very important for retirement. So, you know, if these concepts are all new to you, then again, perhaps you're not ready for retirement. Okay. And the last one here, John, is you haven't run retirement projections at varying rates of return and inflation. Um, yeah, retirement planning is a little more complicated than it sounds on the surface. 
you know, perhaps you can calculate, you know, your net income and your sources of income in retirement by yourself and without any help. And that's great. You know, perhaps you've also calculated, um, you know, how much income your investments would generate in retirement with a some kind of hypothetical rate of return. And that's great. However, very few people can put it all together by themselves. They can and run multiple scenarios with varying rates of return and also account for inflation. Yeah, let's face it. I mean, it, it is complicated. There's there's a lot of variables you're looking out in some cases, you know, decades out into the future. So if you're going to do a great job of looking at, you know, the possible scenarios in your retirement plan, you, you may need some help. Uh, there was a recent study by Voya Financial that found 79% of people who use an advisor say they know how to pursue achieving their retirement goals. And about 59% um, said they know they uh, they had calculated how much they needed uh, to retire, and 52% had a formal retirement plan. So it's kind of surprising only half of those had a retirement plan working with an advisor. I know that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time on is making sure we understand that piece of the puzzle. Exactly. And I know this sounds a little self-promoting, but, you know, at the same time, you got to make sure this is covered. So, you know, if you can't do it yourself, you need to get some help. Um, But if you don't feel equipped to run retirement projections under multiple scenarios, then, you know, get the help of of a trusted advisor. And regardless of whether you get help, you need to run multiple retirement scenarios long before retirement. So you know where you stand and you know what it takes to stay on track for retirement. So, yeah, don't let these five things, you know, creep up and kind of undermine your plans for retirement. You want to make sure that you're on track and you you have these things covered heading into retirement. Okay, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Question is, do I need life insurance in retirement? And the general answer is, for most people, the answer is no. Uh, If you've saved well, um, have an emergency fund, you know, you have no debt, um, then you should, in most cases, be self-insured. And, um, you know, if you have debt out there still and you haven't, you know, saved well and you're trying to protect a a spouse or children or whatever, then, yeah, you can get some. It gets very, very expensive when you get into your 60s and in your 70s and 80s. It's, um, in some cases, not even affordable. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there might be other scenarios where you need life insurance. I mean, for instance, if you have a huge mortgage going into retirement, you know, you may want to cover your spouse for your mortgage. So there are certainly some good reasons to have it. Um, But, you know, most cases you can get a good term policy, maybe a 10-year term policy to take you far enough into retirement to cover those needs. But you do need to look at it and figure out whether you need to keep the policies you have and, um, you know, figure out if you need need additional insurance. So that's a great question of the week. All right. And that leads up here to our next topic. And that is, um, what do you do for a couple? Do you combine your accounts or do you keep them separate? Yeah, this comes from Kendall Little from bankrate.com. Uh, and uh, it's a great topic. I mean, we um, we certainly see this question come up as we're talking to couples out there. And, you know, finances may not be the most exciting thing to talk about. Uh, I don't know if you talked about those on Valentine's Day. Did you? Uh, no, Probably we didn't. didn't. Cover that. I don't think but we did. But you do that in we, January, right? And, we, you know, we talk about finances all the time. Well, we but, do too. Th- yeah. But I am a 
financial planner. That's right. So that's right. It's kind of part of my DNA yeah. here. Kathy you know? and Tammy are just yeah. we're a little unusual. Yeah, <laughs> she probably just kind of nods her head. Yeah. I don't even know when I'm talking about finances, and I'm probably talking about. That's it, right. So. That's right. But it, if you don't talk about it, you should certainly talk about it sooner than later. And before taking the the next step in your relationship, you you, you want to discuss how you you may want to combine the accounts and. Um, as more couples are choosing these days, you'll need to um, figure out if you're going to navigate and keep them separate. Um, so there's a recent study that was done. Yes, yeah. According to this recent study by SunTrust, only 51% of Americans discussed how they should handle their finances with their partner or their spouse before marriage. Um, and many couples assume they should combine everything when they get married. But, you know, they point out here that's not always the best solution for everybody. Um, You know, and I agree with that. I mean, but, um, you know, for young couples, though, in general, you probably should, you know, combine combine most things. Um, And if you've been together for years and what you're doing is working, then, you know, maybe you don't change it because you don't want to fix what's not broken, right? Yeah. So, you know, like most aspects of a healthy relationship, it really comes down to communication. Whether you choose to join accounts, keep them separate, or some combination, um, here are some things that you want to you know make sure you consider throughout that process. And the fir- first one is really just figuring out what your expenses are. And beyond figuring out, you know, how to live in one another's space, moving in together means you'll need to rethink your spending plan and develop a household budget for two people. So if you're not exactly how to sure you had to do want to do that um, and merge your finances, uh, Bankrate has a good calculator that you can get on track. Obviously Dave Ramsey has the EverDollar app, but at the at the basic thing, you're going to figure out what your costs are going to be. Yeah, that's right. So before you get married, you know, that's the time to make those decisions and not after you're married. Um, you know, who's paying the rent, who's going to pay the bills? Are they going to be, you know, split evenly? Um, you can manage those things separately, but, you know, there's if there's confusion around how your household expenses are split, you know, that can start to get uncomfortable and really can start being a stress on marriage. Um, also, you need to determine the monthly rent amount um, or monthly amount that each of you are going to set aside for a household emergency in the case that, you know, something goes out in the house or the, or the car breaks down. Um, an online high-yield savings account or maybe a money market account is a great way to, to put aside your emergency fund. But the, the point is you got to have a plan. You mm-hmm. need to talk about these things well ahead of time and come to an understanding even before you get married as to kind of how you're going to handle your finances. Yeah, so you know, before merging bank accounts and and credit card accounts, make sure you're on the same page. This this study found that only 41% of married couples knew their future spouse's annual salary before they were married and just 36% were aware of the debt levels. Wow. That could cause some issues. That, that could. <laughs> That'd be a bad surprise. Yeah, you get that, you know, $2,000 student married. loan debt. Oh, honey, you know, you say you have 200000 yeah. in student loans, you huh? You didn't tell me that, yeah. That would have been important. <laughs> so make sure you talk about your income, uh, income, disclose, you know, any kind of credit card debt, student loan debt, um, your retirement plans, um, discuss your spending habits and, and work and and uh, make sure that you compromise on your your spending levels, right? You got to make sure that you um, you understand savings goals, long term plans. Um, you know these topics don't have to be boring. Build building the foundation of your lives together should be exciting, 
But, um, you know, you have to communicate. So sit down with a favorite food, maybe a glass of wine, and look at these things. If you have a whole bunch of student loan debt, maybe a bottle of wine may be needed. <laughs> try, <laughs> try to make the uh, the evening eventful. So, um, But have those discussions before you get married because, I mean, money is emotional and it causes a lot of issues if things aren't out in the open. And so when you're deciding between joint and separate accounts, um, you know, there's not a one-size-fit-all, uh, fits-all solution. you got to find a combination that works for you. Um, you know, some people do a joint checking account, and then they have a joint credit card. Um, I think if you're struggling with with money as a couple, I mean, having two separate accounts for everything does make it more complicated, right? Some people yeah, can does. make it work. It does. Um, so, you know, for me, I'm not sure how that would, would work. I, I like having everything together, and so we can make joint decisions on it. But, you know, there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. No, that's right. And it might make sense for, like, discretionary expenses <laughs> if you, you know, have, you know, two separate checking accounts for that. So you kind of hate to have your own, your own thing. But, um, yeah, it keeps – things pretty clear as to what you're responsible for and it also helps with having flexibility freedom um, and autonomy with your money so you can keep that separate and personal you know <clears throat> if you want to and you know you can spend it on whatever you'd like to do kind of for that discretionary money but for most things you probably ought to combine it yeah and you want to communicate on a regular basis um you know you may have one person that's better at managing money and there's nothing wrong with one person you know having more of a hands-on process and quite frankly it probably makes sense to you know dave calls them nerds and free spirits there are some people that like working with numbers and spreadsheets and um but you got to make sure that communication is a priority yeah and i think you definitely want to you know kind of you know, separate and, and focus on your strengths. So if there's one person in the, in the marriage is better with money and better with the numbers, then certainly, you know, deferring to that person to keep track of everything is probably a great idea. Um, or if one person has more time than the other, mm-hmm. but set a tie time each month though, to talk about your goals and your account balances and where things are and, and, you know, how have your savings goals progressed for the month are you paying off your debts? Have your expenses risen or your cash flow increased? And if you choose to take a, a back seat in managing accounts, you should still make an effort to kind of know the basics and, and know what's going on, you know. So keep tabs on where your accounts are and how to access them, you know. Track your own income and debts and spending. Um, and there are some great online tools for that, such as Mint.com and You Need a Budget. Uh, is another one out there or you can even you know just generate your own spreadsheet and just keep uh, you know simple spreadsheet of where your money comes in and where it goes out Um, but all that can help streamline your organization so you'll make sure you're organized in this yeah and also you know adjust your plans as things change I mean when you first get married and you move in together um, your goals are going to change in in uh, 5 10 you know 15 20 years so as your lives change make sure your financial plan does the same and if something isn't working don't be afraid to change it you know you really ought to look down uh, every year <clears throat> and make sure that you're on track for your goals and this would be things like you know is the bank working for us um, you know are there certain vendors that are working for us if one partner is overspending or, or taking on more debt that is that is uh, comfortable for the family, you got to figure out um, what needs to adjust. And if someone's laid off or receives a raise, you got to adjust for that too. So you got family, um, you know, maybe new new um, you're going to start a family that you have to look at new priorities, maybe a new house and so forth. 
So you got to be patient. Sometimes if you're changing the way you operate your finances, it does take time, maybe a little uncomfortable. Um, but you know, that's where the communication comes in. And you know, there's a lot of resources out there. Uh, the FPU class, Dave's, uh, Dave Ramsey's financial peace university is a great class for yeah, couples. That's, that's it, a great way to get started. Yeah. It gives you a good process and uh, similar, you know, methodology that you can kind of work on. So um, a lot of tools out there, but uh, personal decision, we, we, we tend to, you know, like combining it, but there are cases where it works better to have it separate. The key is to talk about it. And the mm-hmm. key is to have great communication, do that well before you get married. Um, you know, even when you're dating, I mean, I think you should breach the subject of money and make sure you're on the same page and you kind of have a plan and you, you have the same aspirations and goals with your money because money is a big part of anybody's relationship and your future. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're on the same page and, and have the same vision for where you want to go with your money. But great topic. And that leads up here to our Last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, one of Dave Ramsey's uh, baby steps, as he calls them, is uh, to save $1,000 for an emergency fund. And <clears throat> he has an article, so if you go to his DaveRamsey.com, uh, it's a blog, 30 ways to save $1,000. So just a couple of them, you know, sell something. You know, people do garage sales. Right. <clears throat> I've had someone that has sold a um, diamond ring. They were divorced, and the diamond ring didn't mean, mean anything sentimentally to them. Okay. So they were able to That's use good. that to kind of get ahead. Um, Airbnb, uh, Ubers. It's a great way. Airbnb, you, know, you can the start driving. Yeah. There's there's different ways to do it um, over time and so forth. And we, we covered this a couple of weeks ago, and it's um, kind of have a no-spend month. Yeah, I think right? that's a great idea. Right, right. Just take a month off from spending. Yeah, you got to pay for food and your mortgage and electricity and so forth. But beyond that, any discretionary spending, you just stop. Have you done that yet? I have not recently. No, I, I but I have done I that. Can't recall doing that. <laughs> I have done that. I, I, I do too. I've like, absolutely done that. Um, well, I have years ago, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but, conversations uh, with with Tammy, and it's like, all right, we're going to take a little pause. Yeah, just you know? no trips. That's right. No discretionary <clears throat> stuff. No more Amazon yes. for a month. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, but the key is, yeah, you got to have a basic emergency fund when you're when you're getting started to get out of debt. So that you don't go back to the credit cards and and you don't keep hitting the credit cards over and over again. You got to have something you can cover emergency with. And then once you get out of consumer debt, you know, and you have your credit cards pay off, you need to raise that emergency fund up to three to six months Mm -hmm. worth of expenses. Um, So that means, you know, if you're spending $5,000 a month, you're going to need something like, you know, $30,000 perhaps Mm -hmm. in an emergency fund. You can put that in a good money market account somewhere, earn a couple percent. Um, but the key is you have to build that up, have that liquid, and have that ready. So that's your long-term goal, and that's like step one for you know financial success. Yeah, you've got to have that foundation. Absolutely. No so it's very, very critical. So make sure you start with that $1,000 emergency fund. No matter how far in debt you are, you have to have that first before you tackle you know, getting out of debt. So great prescription of the week. And that leads to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.
This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.